Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 209 of the podcast for September 18th, 2014. My guest today is George Friesen. He is business practice leader for Lean Transformations in the Workforce Solutions Group at St. Louis Community College. And today we're going to be talking about some of George's early experiences at the GM Toyota Numi plant, why candor and trust are so important in a lean transformation, and some thoughts about how to engage frontline employees in Kaizen and continuous improvement and uh, much, much more. So I hope you enjoy the episode. If you go to leanblog.org slash 209, you can read George's full bio and, and find links to his organization there at St. Louis Community College. So as always, I want to say uh, thanks for listening. Well, George, hi. Thanks for being a guest with us here on the podcast today. It's very good to be here, Mark. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to have a discussion with you. Yeah. So if you can start off, um, introduce yourself a little bit about your background uh, for the listeners, please. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I spent a number of years with a company in the performance improvement industry called uh, Merits. My first encounter with lean manufacturing was in uh, 1986 at New United Motors Corporation. We could talk a little bit about that later. Yeah. I retired in 1998, came to work for St. Louis Community College in 2000, and for the last 14 years I've had the really great pleasure, uh, and I, I would have to say very invigorating opportunity to work with a large number of manufacturers, corporate headquarters, uh, just starting some work in the healthcare industry with uh, all aspects of this thing called lean manufacturing. Yeah, and I, I certainly would love to hear um, more about your NUMI experiences. I mean, 1986 was just shortly after it opened, reopened as NUMI, right? It was just the beginning. And uh, I had done work in uh, other automotive plants prior to that, but uh, NUMI was a different experience. For our listeners uh, who might not be completely familiar with the name, NUMI was a joint venture of Toyota and General Motors, the purpose of which was to let General Motors learn more about uh, the Toyota production system. And I'll tell you this, Mark, uh, looking at that plant was a real eye-opener. Okay, yeah, and, and Numi, you know, and again, for people who aren't, aren't familiar with that story, I mean, it was quite a transformation where it was a General Motors plant that had been, you know, failed and shut down and was considered um, in pretty much every dimension the worst of the worst, and, you know, Toyota and General Motors reopened it uh you know with, and it kind of i think proved a number of points one is that you know the the root cause of the problem and this this was my experience at gm a decade later the root cause of the problem was not the workers um, the problem was the management system and numi really demonstrated the impact that a different way of managing could could have on a workforce and, and a factory right that's absolutely right it was the management system uh, when i got there what i saw mark were uh, enthused employees, employees who were smiling, an absolutely immaculate work environment, uh, manufacturing high-quality products, uh, ranking near the top of the JF Powers Quality Awards, uh, and uh, such a great, great difference. And people uh, used to say, well, that happened because they had different employees. Not yeah. true. Mm -hmm. Same employees, different management different system, 
different way of treating people. And at the heart of it, uh, as you know very well, uh, is this whole thing showing respect and trust for your employees. Yeah, so let's talk more about that. That was a topic we were going to discuss. I mean, if, if you can kind of elaborate, why are, are candor and trust such an important part of uh, a lean culture? Well, they're, they're absolutely vital for a number of reasons, uh, starting with uh, uh, one primary reason that uh, comes from uh, Henry Ford 100 years ago, who said, uh, if you want to know how to improve work processes, you have to talk to the people who do the work. Mm -hmm. And, of course, talking to people and then listening to them is a great show of respect. If you don't show respect, if you don't have an atmosphere of trust, you're not going to have effective communication. You're going to have management uh, that is living uh, in a fantasy world in a lot of cases. Uh, I love one of Taichi Ono's observations about uh, uh, why managers don't like to be told about mistakes. What he said was something to this effect. Hearing about mistakes or problems uh, interferes with the fantasy world that they live in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but respect and trust really are at the heart of it. And uh, as you know, what, what Lean is about is creating a work environment where respect and trust are shown over and over and over again. Well, and when we talk about that notion of, of respect for people, either in the context of Toyota or Lean Management or uh, you know Kaizen and Continuous Improvement, it, I mean, it sounds so basic and fundamental, right? I mean, I feel like Captain Obvious telling people you should listen to your employees. <laughs> but I mean, that that it's a, it's such a simple concept, but it, it's it's far more difficult to try to change people's mindsets. They've got decades of, you know, kind of old habits that have been reinforced through the organization of, of not listening, of not respecting uh, the, the people who actually do the work. I mean, what, what are some of your experiences about really trying to start turning those mindsets around? Uh, well, uh, you know, embedded in a number of my experiences is that uh, it's very difficult to do it. It certainly is possible. If I could tell you just one quick story, this is uh, mm -hmm. a client of mine, probably happened about eight years ago, and I was walking through uh, the employee cafeteria, and one of the employees stopped me and said, George, you know, uh, you've been telling us how much... Uh, uh, the management of this plant wants to know our ideas. You know, they, they want to hear from us. We want to open up communication. And I said, well, yeah, that's uh, that's true. He said, well, he said, how about this story? Yesterday, uh, the piece of equipment I was working on on the line broke down. And so the plant manager came out and started to uh, make some uh, attempt to fix it. And he said, I've worked on that piece of equipment for 20 years. And I knew that what he was doing uh, simply wouldn't work. And so what I said to him is, sir, I think I know how to fix this. Why don't we try this? And he said, uh, do you know what he said to me? I said, no. He said he turned to me, looked me straight in the eye and said, shut up. I pay you to work, not to think. <sighs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the guy said to me, what do you think of that? And I said to him, I think the plant manager was having a bad day. Although I'll tell you what, as the words came out of my mouth, I strongly suspected that what I was saying was not the truth. Yeah. And, and the fact uh, is that the guy really did not respect the knowledge of this 20-year employee. 
And, and that was, I mean, that that's, I think, just a classic illustration of the old mindsets. When I started at GM in 1995, there, I mean, that was the predominant culture and the, 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 you know, kind of blatant outward disrespect. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, I would hear comments from UAW workers who said things like, you know, they, they had been beaten down and, and they were discouraged and I was trying to work with them and they would say things, you know, and, and sometimes they were cynical and I think understandably cynical. They would say things like, you know, uh, they hired us for our back and for our arms, not for our brains. And, yeah. you know, that was reinforced if it wasn't directly said to them in an ugly way, like it was in your story. It was it was more subtle, but it was it was a very clear message that you you're not here to think. And that's, you know, I think, you know, that 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 really old mindset. We still see that, I think, even today in hospitals, I have stories from friends of mine who are physicians who will ask a nurse about a patient. What do you think? And the nurses are just, ah, you know, they panic or they're. You know, they're not sure. Why are you asking me what I think? I mean, because that's that goes against the norm sometimes of, uh, you know, the hierarchical medical culture. Well, it really does go against the norm. I think in the automotive industry, sometimes uh, the way the workers react to a uh, uh, un, uh, un unresponsive management system, uh, they use the term malicious compliance. Yeah. But that's what it leads to. Yeah, or yeah, I think when I was at GM, yeah, malicious obedience, and and malicious. I saw, you know, same idea, but you know, I saw examples where, you know, you hate. I'm just dredging up war stories here. Sorry, but you know, a frontline UAW worker uh, running a machine on a you know engine block machining line, knowing that they were supposed to uh, you know pull apart off the line. Every thirty every thirty minutes to do their quality checks, so that they were supposed to change tooling at a certain interval, and they would say, "Hey, I need the shut I need to shut down this machine to change the tooling." Management would say, "No, we need to hit our production numbers, keep it running," and the UAW worker would just kind of smile and say, "Okay, whatever you say, boss." And then, sure enough, the the tooling would would break catastrophically and blow up. And the machine was down far longer than it would have been if they had been able to do what they knew they needed to do. And, and just that, that constant climate of, you know, short term, make the numbers thinking and, and people not being allowed to do quality work was, was really, really destructive. Oh, um, abs absolutely destructive. And uh, when that happens, uh, as you're suggesting, uh, you have people who are definitely not really involved uh, with uh, what they're doing. They're not engaged with what they're doing. They have no pride in their product. That's why uh, things like I heard stories that knew me that when it had been a Chevrolet uh, truck plant, uh, that people did things like drop nuts and bolts mm -hmm. uh, in various compartments so it would really mess up the vehicle when it was purchased. Yeah, you get rattles and noises, yeah. get rattles and noises. But that can all change. And I'll tell you, in my mind, the apocryphal story that I use a lot in uh, presentations that I give. I believe I read about it uh, probably four or five years ago in the New Yorker, and it was uh, in a short article written by a fellow named Dave, who I believe was with Toyota North America now. But this was in 1988 when he went to work for the uh, Toyota plant in Georgetown, Kentucky. And Dave said uh, in this article that he'd been there about a month, and he went to a meeting with the plant manager. And the plant manager said to him, Dave, Talk about the, how things are going in your area. 
And so Dave does what a typical guy out of college, certainly it's what I did, uh, in a situation like that. You start through the litany of good things that are happening. Right. And Dave said, Dave said he got about uh, 30 seconds into it. The plant manager said, Dave, stop. <laughs> uh, I hired you because I, I knew you were a bright guy. I thought you'd be a hard worker. But from now on at these meetings, when I ask you that question, all I want you to do is tell me about all the mistakes <laughs> that have been made in your area, and I want you to tell me about the mistakes that you made, and I'm going to tell you about my mistakes. Mm-hmm. We're going to put all the mistakes on the table, and together we're going to solve them. And what Dave said in that article is that it was at that moment that the basic logic of lean manufacturing came through to him, and that is that it is based upon trust, respect, and candor. And and I guess you know part of the the trust that allows the candor to take place is the trust that uh, somebody speaking up and pointing out a mistake, admitting a mistake, pointing out a problem, they're not going to be. Uh, blamed and punished or, you know, quote unquote, beaten up, which, of course, we mean in a verbal sense. I mean, right. Um, that that requires a different response from leadership, right? Oh, it absolutely it takes a different response. I had a young woman in one of my seminars after I told that story said, uh, George, that's really a cool story. But let me tell you something. Before I would start uh, listing all of my mistakes, I would have have to have a very high degree of trust <laughs> that my director yeah was not keeping a little list in her head and saying to herself, well, Mary's up to eight mistakes now. Can she really handle the job? Yeah. Well, and I think I I think it was a story I heard from Norman Bodak, and it might have been in a previous podcast, talking about visiting uh, a factory in Japan where they had a wall where people would not just, you know, we see a lot of cases uh, where people are documenting Kaizen. They're documenting improvements in before and after. But Norman talks about, workplaces where people have a wall where they document their mistakes and their errors and they put their picture and their name on it. And, and you know, uh, it, it's just a, a different level of, of openness when people can point that out, as opposed to, you know, kind of we know in healthcare, uh, people hide and cover up problems. They don't report near misses because and they're afraid of being blamed. And that, that leads to more problems and more harm to patients. That's exactly right. As, uh, Atul Gawande talks about it in his, in his uh, book, The uh, Checklist Manifesto, the need for openness mm-hmm. and the lack of that uh, in, in, in a, lot of, uh, a lot of environments. I tell you, uh, that tool you just described uh, sounds like a really terrific one. Uh, one uh, lean tool that I've found to be very powerful in terms of building higher degrees of respect and trust and driving open communication is uh, called the idea board, which I know you're mm-hmm. quite familiar with. Uh, the idea came from, uh, I first read about it in David Mann's uh, great yeah. book called Creating, Creating a Lean Culture. Uh, but for our listeners who don't know what it is, it's a simple uh, board literally with four columns on it that say my idea to do, doing, and done uh, next to post-it notes, and people are encouraged to jot down mistakes that they spot, ideas they have, sign it, date it, and put it up there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I you know, likewise uh, kind of borrowed, built upon you know, that, that idea board concept from David Mann, and I, I give him credit in our Healthcare Kaizen books and try to give him as much um, credit as I can from that just kind of simple 
visualization of, of problems and ideas and, and visual tracking that just goes uh, far beyond um, typical suggestion box methods where things are locked away and hidden. And, um, you know, that's just right. that, that idea of making it visible and transparent um, goes a long way. And, and I found it creates more constructive behavior because if you have a locked suggestion box, somebody can write down something snippy or insulting about a coworker and they drop it in the box. When you've got a visual sure. board, people don't do that type of thing. They, they, they tend to keep um, focused on um, things that matter for customers or patients. And people tend to be far more constructive when there's transparency I've seen. Makes a big, big difference. Uh, I'll tell you, I'd been uh, uh, helping clients implement the idea board for about six months when I was uh, walking down uh, the line in one of the plants I was doing work in, uh, and a, a young woman who was working on the line said, uh, George, uh, stop a minute. I want to, I want to tell you about uh, what I think about our idea board. And so I said, uh, sure. I said, uh, what do you like about it? She said, I just love to see those post-it notes move down the board mm -hmm. from my idea to doing to done. And I said, why do you like to see that? And she said, because when I see that, what that tells me is that my company respects the way we think. Mm -hmm. And I thought, bingo. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. And, and, you know, the that's demonstrated through, you know, the more timely flow of ideas and instead of having things just sit in that box and, and you know, there's, there's a lot of um, powerful mindsets that, that I think have to change from what people might know about suggestion boxes. And, and on that note, I'm, I'm curious, some of the things that you do when you're working with supervisors and managers, because I've found, um, you know, the, the, the constraint in the whole improvement process is very rarely a lack of ideas. People might not be articulating those ideas, but they're in their heads. They know what needs to be fixed. They've got creative ideas. Um, so I think you know, there, there's less time. I think we would be in agreement. It's it's less about getting the employees to change and more about getting you know, the supervisors to um, operate in a different way. What are some of the things that you teach supervisors and managers? Uh, well, you're absolutely right. Uh, the real challenge is changing the way supervisors, especially first-level supervisors, think about uh, their function and their relationship with line workers. Uh, to address that, uh, we at the college, college have put together a lean leadership certification program mm. that we've been doing now for uh, seven years. Uh, that's uh, proven to be, uh, I think, quite effective in changing uh, the way supervisors think about their basic function. Uh, to illustrate uh, uh, how they often think about their function. I can tell you one a little anecdote. Uh, uh, once again, this, uh, this involved the idea board, and this is a supervisor at one of my current clients. And I asked the supervisor, I said, you know, there haven't been a whole lot of people from your team who have posted ideas on the idea board. And he looked down for a second, and then he looked at me, and he said, you know, George, this is what I think about the idea board. If the people who work for me put up a lot of observations about things to be improved, 
that must mean I'm not a good supervisor. Mm. And I said to him, no, I said, no, it would mean just the reverse. Right. If a lot of people who work for you shared their observations about ways to improve work processes, it would mean that you were doing a great job as a supervisor. So that's, uh, you know, that kind of sticks in my head mm -hmm. as, uh, as an image of the mindset that needs to be changed. And, and I think that's a, a mindset that can be reinforced by more senior leaders um, to congratulate and recognize supervisors, you know, and the team members, of course, you know, congratulate everybody for um, ideas that come forward. And, and like you said, making it a positive that the supervisor has created an environment where people can and will and do speak up and that being a positive thing, unlike, like you said, the, uh, the old mindset of um, problems somehow being a negative Reflection. Maybe I mean, you know, maybe you heard this at, at at NUMI, but you know the idea that you know reinforce the lean management. That look, everybody has problems. What matters is that we're honestly identifying them and working together as a team to fix them and prevent future problems. Right. Oh, that's abs absolutely true. Uh, at the at the worker level, uh, on the other hand, there's also a challenge that needs to be met. Uh, I can tell you another story to reflect that. Mm -hmm. uh, walking through a, a production area, stopping in a work cell, uh, talking to a young guy working in that work cell, and I asked him, uh, you have any ideas about uh, ways that we might uh, improve the configuration uh, that would perhaps um, you know, make your uh, work uh, easier, a little bit more productive, any ways we could tweak it? And he looks, me, looks at me and says, George, I'm not the person to talk about that uh, to. If you want to know how to, if you want some ideas, the person you need to talk to is my supervisor. Mm -hmm. And I said to him again, I said, uh, you know, that's simply not true. Yeah. Uh, you're the person to talk to. You do the work. You know how to improve it better than anybody else. Well, and I think, you know, when, when you know, supervisors... If we were starting an idea board or a Kaizen approach, I, mean, I think you know supervisors and leaders need to communicate many, you know, many different ways, many different times that exact idea that um, we're going to rely heavily. We need the uh, insights and ideas of all the employees. Maybe there need to be some mea culpas or apologies for why we haven't done that in the past or why our suggestion box system hasn't worked in the past, but. I mean, at least you know, what I've seen is that when you ask people to participate, there's, I, you know, I don't know if it's exactly a bell curve, but, you know, kind of like the, you know, upper two thirds of the bell curve, you have people, you know, some people at the one end, they're going to be really enthusiastic and they're just completely unleashed. Oh, you're finally asking me, here's 12 ideas and I've already written them down, you know, right, right. my log book or something. Yeah. And then there's a group in the middle that might try one and see how it happens. Okay, I'm going to dip a toe in the water. I'm going to bring kind of a non-controversial, simple, easy idea forward, and that's great. And then, you know, there's that other end of the bell curve where people have, um, I think, understandably gotten cynical or worn down, or they're they're just not yet willing um, to trust that process. And I mean, I think you, you can't blame the employees for that. Leaders need to create that trust and kind of demonstrate over time that this process is not only not harmful, but it's helpful. And, and then 
you know, a lot of those people I think will eventually participate. There's some that are maybe so damaged by the workplace that they just won't participate. And I, right. I think you just have to recognize that for what it is. And I also think, Mark, that a lot of uh, plant managers uh, and lower level managers uh, really uh, feel uncomfortable interacting with line employees mm -hmm. and don't really know how to do it very effectively. So their reticence, I think, is born of fear rather than recalcitrance. And I'll tell you, I think uh, uh, a, a great contributor to that problem, and we've just put together a series of uh, six two-hour discussions wrapped around uh, Mike Rother's uh, really terrific book called Toyota Kata. Uh, and I think the Kata technique that uh, Mike talks about in that book uh, the Socratic method, yeah. uh, the questioning built around the scientific method is a tremendously powerful tool to uh, uh, help people have the ability to have uh, creative, effective interactions. Mm -hmm. And you, you work with people on what the, uh, the, the two kata for people who aren't familiar, they, there's what they call the, uh, the improvement kata and the coaching kata, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Can, can you talk about that a little bit maybe for people who aren't familiar? I, I haven't, I, I still am trying to line this up. I haven't had Mike Rother on as a guest uh, to talk right. about kata. Right. Uh, I first uh, heard about the book. I gave a presentation two years ago at the National Council of Advanced Technology Centers. And the keynote speaker was the CEO of a Snap-on Tool Company in Racine, Wisconsin. Uh, and he said uh, that uh, Rother's book, Toyota Kata, uh, really brought together, in his mind, a lot of the loose ends of lean manufacturing. And he made it required reading for his, uh, his leadership team. Uh, what Toyota Kata is about, well, first of all, Kata is a term that comes from the martial arts. Uh, but what it has to do with is making a mode of thinking habitual and automatic so one engages in it virtually on autopilot. Yeah. And it has to do with going through a series of five questions all aimed at drilling down at finding out what the root cause of a problem is and moving systematically through the, elim the elimination of that problem so you can move further ahead toward the future state. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of uh, Rother's, uh, I think, uh, great contributions in terms of progress from current state to future state is his description of it, uh, uh, the existence of a fog <laughs> that the right. Kata process uh, takes us through as we move toward the, the future state. Uh, but... Uh, uh, you know, there's some terrific videos out there on YouTube of uh, the use of Toyota Kata, especially at uh, Merck Pharmaceuticals, Merck Pharmaceuticals uh, that uh, that I've used uh, that that show the process in action. Okay, well, maybe you can send me um, a link to those videos, and I can post those in the show notes. I'll do that for for this episode. Um, well, you know, there's there's so much we could discuss and, and, and delve into and, and maybe we can do uh, an, another podcast, George. Um, I, I know you've got a lot of uh, stories that we've just barely tapped into. Um, but do you, do you have any um, kind of final thoughts? If, if someone is listening and um, they say, well, you know, 
the idea of Kaizen and listening to employees and getting them engaged and doing idea boards, that sounds great, but uh, you know, how, how do we start? It's so against our culture. Um, I'm not sure how it can make that happen. What, do, do you have any advice for people about maybe where and how to get started as they go into that fog, if you will, as Mike Rother calls it? Well, our starting point with our clients is a series called Kaizen Thinking, which is 11 one-hour discussions wrapped around Taichi Ono's eight, eight deadly ways, mm -hmm. seven deadly ways plus one. Yeah. Uh, taking employees, line employees, through systematic discussions of waste and, and building into those discussions continuing messages about the degree to which their knowledge and creativity and intelligence is needed by the company. And I've seen grow out of those discussions huge numbers of uh, of waste being identified. Uh, one of my clients, for example, we'd identified 1,200 kinds of waste by the time we got th through the fourth discussion. Mm -hmm. those, go, those go up on an idea board, and then they're acted upon. But the big, big picture is to do uh, whatever you can do to make employees understand that their ideas are needed, that you respect their ideas, and get out on the floor and talk to people. Yeah, Nothing's more important than a plant manager. You know, if there's one simple thing that I would suggest separate from uh, the program like the one I just mentioned, it's for a plant manager to get out on the floor and to walk the gamba, uh, go to where the action is, talk to employees, tell them how much their work's appreciated, tell them how much their work is important to you personally and to the company. That single step, I think, would do a lot. And, and, and that takes a lot of humility, which is, I think, easier said than, than practiced. I don't think we can really do, I don't know, humility training or get somebody a humility green belt. Um, yeah. You know, uh, it, it does take a certain openness. Um, there, there's a book that actually I have sitting here on my desk um, that I really, really like and recommend to people called Toyota by Toyota. It's written by people from the, the Georgetown, Kentucky plant. The first chapter is all about this notion of leading with humility and how important that is. And, and, and that really is, I think, kind of the flip, complete 180 from the traditional, I'm the boss, I'm always right, I get to make all the decisions, I do all the thinking mindset. You know, this really isn't about a lot of complicated tools. It's It's about some of these mindsets and that's what makes it I think really interesting and at the same time really challenging. Well, absolutely and and letting go of the I'm in control mindset I think you and I would both agree is a fear inducing thing because who knows what's on the other side of the door once you open it up. Yeah. Now in fact what's on the other side are great things that can happen but that's something a person can say to make it real, people have to experience it. Well, and so hopefully, you know, here, you know, today we're just talking about it. Hopefully we're inspiring people to go and get started and um, and give this a try. Uh, if, if people would like to reach out to you and maybe learn more about your, your classes, um, consulting work that you do, what's the best way for people to learn more and to reach out to you? Absolutely. Uh, the web address, uh, for St. Louis Community College is www.stl, 
cc.edu. And if you go to that site, you'll see uh, a group called uh, Workforce Solutions Group. And if you'll click on that, you'll come uh, straight to, uh, to us. You'll see uh, Lean Transformation Services. You can click on that and you'll, uh, you'll see the various services uh, that we provide. And I'm sure uh, somebody just does a, a Google search for your name and Lean Transformation Services, they'll probably find you too. Uh, it'll come up. Uh, yeah. If you'd like to uh, see uh, three of our clients talk about the idea board, I've got a uh, YouTube video. If you'll put uh, the idea board Lean in your YouTube search uh, window, you'll come to that video and see uh, some good reflections on the power of that really uh, terrific tool. Yeah, and I will, uh, I'll post a link, I'll embed that video in uh, the show notes page uh, for this episode. So uh, again, George Friesen, thank you so much for uh, being our guest and talking today, sharing some of your, your great stories, and um, hopefully we do it again sometime. Well, thank you very much, Mark. I really appreciated being able to uh, talk with you. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.